Welcome back, everybody, to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram, also at Sports. Twitter, YouTube, Immac- not Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 58, NBA season preview, NFL week six preview, recap. Yeah. <laughs> and some calls football. Brett's yeah. here. Hello, Brett's everybody. Here. Uh, famous number 58. You guys want to do this first? Uh, yeah. Skeller, who's your favorite number 58 of all time? Well, the two best I didn't get a chance to watch. That's Jack Lambert, Steelers linebacker, Bob Gibson, Cardinals pitcher. Um, if I had to go with an active one, probably Chad Billingsley. No. <laughs> yeah. Those two all guys. Right. For me, the first one that came to mind was one of Kyle's probably least favorite players has been tormenting the Raiders for years, but Von Miller out to linebacker with the Broncos, absolute beast. Eh, he hasn't done too much against us. I think he has six career sacks against the Raiders, but still a lot nonetheless. Uh, favorite number 58, I'll go Jonathan Papelbon, one of the closers of our young era being alive and being into baseball. He was dominant with the Red Sox for a good amount of years and, uh, yeah. Bit of a hot under the, Yeah. On to the opener. And I'm going to go with the scoregami that we had this weekend in the NFL. And if you don't know what a scoregami is, it's when there is a score in the NFL that has never happened before. Uh, there's a great video on, about this on YouTube. Just look up scoregami. I think it's a like SB Nation YouTube video. It's super interesting. Go check it out. But we got scoregami this weekend. We only get one or two every single year. And in the Rams Giants game where the Rams won 38 to 11, we got that scoregami. That's that's probably the best thing I saw. All right. Uh, you know, we j- always joke about uh, winning and losing the bye week, but I think it was a pretty great bye week for the Jets. Uh, no significant practice injuries yet, at least, which I think that's the first week that's happened for us. So that's good. The Bills, Dolphins, and Patriots all lost. We got to see our boy Geno Smith on Sunday Night Football. He did pretty well, except for, you know, fumbling away the game. Uh, and Sam Darnold was terrible. Jamal Adams was even worse. Great week for the Jets. I'm the best in the nation. Oh, that was horrible. I that was hated bad. that. As it showed, well, he was like 52nd out of like 68 like yeah, possible safeties crazy. or whatever it was. For me, last week I won hockey opener. This week I'm going basketball opener. More specifically, the Warriors open tonight against Los Angeles Lakers. Steph Curry and gang, Clay Thompson coming back at some point this year. Really looking forward to basketball, specifically Warriors basketball this year. Yeah. I feel like uh, my motivation to watch other basketball teams has died down, but my motivation to watch the Warriors has greatened within this past year. It only go up. On to the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week now. It's a fun award, and it's going to get more complicated after this week now that we have uh, basketball going on. I could have probably included some baseball player like Kike Hernandez in here, but we had four football players, uh, one college, and the four candidates that we had was Caleb Williams, OU starting quarterback who dominated in his first game as a starter after replacing uh, Spencer Rattler there. Uh, they get a big dub. He throws or has five total touchdowns. Kurt or Kyler Murray was the next one on the list. Uh, he had four touchdowns against the Browns. 
Kirk Cousins was also on the list. He had 373 yards and three touchdowns and an overtime win over the Panthers. And then the last guy was TJ Watt. He had a, he just went off in overtime, really. He had two sacks and a forced fumble. It practically won the Steelers the game. And here's how the voting went down. We had 23 votes. So not the most that we've ever had, but still get them out to really actually see what the people like. Uh, Kirk Cousins did not receive a single vote. Uh, so that's tough for him. He's quietly having a great season, though. He's actually he is. having a pretty good year. Uh, Kyler Murray only got 4.3% of the votes. TJ Watts got 17.4% of the votes. And Caleb Williams, he's still the show here, 78.3% of the votes. I'm sure it's not going to be his last time on this list, especially if we keep doing it for a couple more years. So well-deserved he, award, I think. I mean, this is a culture-changing win for Oklahoma, I think. I know they're undefeated, but... Changes the game. Yeah, they just look fast, and it's 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 astonishing how young Caleb Williams is too. He just turned nineteen, literally seven days ago. So something about that kid, man. He's gonna be Hmm. he's gonna be stud in college for sure, at least. On to the team reports. Skyler kind of already said his spiel. Uh, The Niners also had a bye, and Brett said that there really wasn't much to happen for them this week. So I guess we'll skip that, and I'll go on to the Raiders. And it was. It was, a, it was a very good week. It was probably the best that pro- possibly could have turned out. Uh, offense was super, uh, I don't even know what to call it, electric. Uh, we had seven plays of 24, 25 or more yards, seven passing plays of 25 or more yards. That's the most in NFL history in a game. Uh, so that was kind of crazy, taking deep shots downfield, whether it be Ruggs, Drake, Edwards, Waller, Renfro. It was nice. We won 34 to 24. Had three picks of Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Trayvon Merrick got his first career pick. Jonathan Abram got a pick. And some dude I've never even heard of. I think Brandon Faison also got his first career pick. Uh, and overall, it was a good game. Visaccia for coach of the year. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> now let's do a little NBA preview. Uh, season starts tonight. The first game is Nets Bucks, and I think that just got on their way. I'm not too I sure. I'm not did. watching it. We're halfway through the first quarter. Yes, yeah, so I believe the ring ceremony just happened, or is that at halftime? The rings are sick, by the way. I don't know if you guys saw them. Really, cool I have rings. not, but I assume they would be. Uh, so first off, let's just talk about Ben Simmons mm-hmm. uh, in, in general, because that's just that's one of the biggest uh, question marks going into the season. He's suspended for the first game of the year. There's been this whole drama if he's going to get traded and the Sixers asking for way too much in the offseason. And so he got suspended today uh, by the team for not subbing in in practice drills or like that. He declined to do that. It just seems like a mess. And Bede said that he Simmons is not his problem anymore. And I don't blame him. I feel bad for him, Bede, here. Yeah, he's acting like a child right now. I don't know if you guys uh, saw the full quote today, but uh, apparently Doc asked Ben Simmons, Doc Rivers' head coach, asked Mm -hmm. Ben Simmons to join in on some defensive drills multiple times, and he said no. So finally Doc said, okay, well, go home then, dude. Mm -hmm. And he said, all right, and he left. Uh, So they just – they need to get rid of this distraction. Um, It might have to come down to cutting him, which is never ideal – but sometimes you got to do what you got to do just to get them out of the building. I don't think it's they're going to trade them. I, I think they'll they'll probably take down their their uh, asking, asking price, price for him because okay. they mm-hmm. everybody knows now that he's a problem. Uh, but I mean, he's way too good of a player to just straight up cut. Hey, Le'Veon Bell got cut. 
I mean, the, that is football. The, the Cats example I would make, basketball. Yeah, it is different football to basketball, but the, I mean, it's not quite as extreme, but Antonio Brown, when he, you know, wanted out of his situation, he threw a fit, he made it. So they literally couldn't keep him. And I believe that's what Ben Simmons is trying to do here. But I think to Kyle's point, I think Kyle's right. I think they will end up having to lower their asking price because at this point, Ben Simmons has made, you know, so much of a mess of this. No one's going to want to give up those, you know, valuable picks, players, whatever Philadelphia was asking for originally. It's going to have to be, you know, maybe one pick, one player in return for a guy who is a really good player, but now has baggage. Yeah. Instead of seven first round picks, a Karis LeVert type package. Yeah. All right. Continue. Yeah, just some craziness there. But besides that, uh, we have a full NBA preview. Uh, we're not going to go give you the whole playoffs, one through eight seating and all this stuff, but we will give you the playoff teams. Uh, so how about we start off with your guys' eight playoff teams in the West? All right. Uh, so the West, I have the Jazz, the Lakers. I, I do have them in order, but it's all good. like Kyle said, it's, it's uh, you know, don't take too much into it. Uh, then Phoenix, Denver, Dallas, uh, Clippers, Memphis, and the Warriors. I also put in order, once again, very tentative, but I have Jazz, Suns, Lakers, Warriors, Nuggets, Mavs, the Pelicans, and the Portland Trailblazers was honorable mention to the Grizzly, who I think will be in a planned tournament. If that's still happening this year, I believe it is. It is. Yeah. Yes. All right. So unlike the other guys, I do not have them in order. I just kind of went by division, see who's going to make the playoffs and then on to the next division and so forth. So the eight playoff teams I have in the West are the Nuggets, the Blazers, the Jazz, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Lakers, the Suns, and the Mavericks. Now let's give our eight right. in the Eastern Conference. Okay, for Eastern Conference, Milwaukee, Miami, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Philly, Boston, the New York Knicks, and the Bulls. I have the Bucks, Nets, Hawks, 76ers, Heat, Bulls, Celtics, Knicks, honorable mention playoff tournament or playing tournament, Hornets. My eight were the Bucks, the Nets, the Hawks, the Heat, the Celtics, the 76ers, the Bulls, and the Knicks. Uh, I feel like just in general, it's, it's hard to make too many like bold predictions with this. Like uh, I couldn't. I wanted to put the Hornets in there just because I, I like the run court, yeah. but it was I think Chicago's a shoo-in almost with what they added in the offseason. Yeah, I think they're definitely a guaranteed at least like six seed in the East. Yeah. But I was thinking about maybe leaving the Knicks out, but also, I mean, defense isn't really something that wavers, and that's kind of what that team's built around. So that was kind of tough for me to uh decision there, but decided with keeping them in. And do you guys want to do finals prediction first, or do you guys want to go over all the awards first? Uh, I'm I'm done for that. I say let's go, let's go finals first and go mm-hmm. awards. Awesome. Uh, so Skyler, finals prediction. All right, I have Utah winning the West, and they are going to beat Brooklyn right now if Kyrie plays. If he doesn't play, Milwaukee beats Utah. But I'm just going to stick with Kyrie's coming back. So Utah over Brooklyn. I also have Utah coming out of the West and I have the Bucks. I'm going to assume Kyrie isn't playing from what I've heard. Mm. Doesn't sound like they expect him this year. I still think the the Nets are a team that could win a title. Oh, of even course. Without Kyrie. Yeah. Yeah, I, which is crazy. That sounds that team's deep enough and has obviously Kevin Durant and Harden, but I think the jazz went in seven versus the Bucks. 
Very interesting. Uh, I decided to go with the Nets. Uh, as Brett said, I really don't think it matters if they have Kyrie or not. This is still a championship caliber team. If they do have Kyrie, obviously it kind of just sets them into the spot where like, yeah, they're obviously legitimate contenders and they're kind of going to coast there. Uh, so I have the Nets coming out of the East and then on the West, it's, there's a lot of teams that I feel like can take this and I'm going to go with the Nuggets. I feel like a healthy Nuggets team is going to be really, really good. I think Michael Porter kind of comes into his full own this year. And I don't know if it's fully worth the contract at this point, but I think he's going to be a really good player. Jamal Murray. I'm not, is he back right away? I don't, I'm not, he's sure. not back right away, but he will be back at some point this season. So assume, I mean, this team's going to make playoffs, assuming he's good to go come playoff time. It's, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, I like Utah and Denver definitely for the West. Uh, but like you said, it definitely depends on the injuries. Um, you, I have Utah with, you know, the comeback season, which should have been there finals appearance because uh, Donovan Mitchell was out um, and I, I'm going with Utah because Denver's got some more injuries. So, yeah. yeah. But going back to Denver, I named those two players and I still didn't even name the MVP of the league last year, I think with, with Jokic. Uh, and yeah. so yeah. he's obviously still there. He's obviously great. And they have some, some other pieces on their team that are very good as well. So I'll go the nets and the nuggets in the, finals but the nets take it in five games just because of those killers that they got in harden and kd all right now let's time it's time for the award predictions this is always pretty fun to to look back in april or may and see how we did on these so we'll start off with the lesser awards let's go coach of the year first uh i'll start off okay go ahead ready yes um I'm going to go Billy Donovan. Uh, Billy Donovan, one-time coach of the Thunder. Um, never been great. I believe he's actually won this award before, unless I'm mistaken. But, you know, over the past couple of years, kind of bounced around a little bit. But he's now the coach of the Bulls. The Bulls were not a very good team last year. They've added a bunch of talent. And a lot of times with this award, I think you see, you know, the biggest improvement. Maybe a team that wasn't a playoff that becomes a playoff team. I believe this Bulls team can be a top-four seed coming out of the East with all the guys they've added. They have offensive firepower, added some defense with Lonzo. I think the Billy Donovan, it's, it's kind of a sleeper, but I'm going to go Billy Donovan, coach of the year. All right. My apologies. I picked a most improved player, not a coach, uh, but I'm going <laughs> to go with Jason Kidd. Uh, first year with the Mavericks. They've got Lucas some help. I think they could have a breakout year. I honestly forgot he was with the, yeah. the Mavericks. But I'm going to go Nate McMillan, uh, coach of the Hawks. He went in there uh, halfway through the year last year, and they kind of just dominated. I think the Hawks are going to be a very good team again this year. Obviously, they're not going to make the finals based off of my prediction, uh, but they're going to be a top, one of the top seeds in the East, and I think that's going to be due in part to some of Nate's coaching. On to sixth man of the year. All right. Uh, my sixth man of the year is uh, it's kind of a two-parter. I, I have Clarkson slotted in because Clarkson is the best six man in the league, but with the guys they have out at guard, I think he could be starting for a lot of the season, which could disqualify him. So I have Tyler hero in case that happens. Uh, I also had two guys. I had Clarkson who I chose last year. He ended up mm-hmm. winning the award, but I'm actually only over Jordan pool. If you guys know me and Alex, both big Jordan pool guys. But the reason I am going Jordan pool is kind of what Skylar just said. Jordan Poole is going to be starting at the beginning of this year. He's going to see more minutes. He's going to be running that second unit until Clay gets back. So I think once he, you know, reverts back to the bench, he becomes a six man. Those starter stats are going to help him. You know, that might push him over the top. Jordan Poole, he's looked great in the preseason. Uh, confident shooting ball. 
I think this could be the year he breaks out for not only possibly a most improved, but also six man award. I've bought in, I've done it. Uh, I'm going JP as well here. I think I see a lot of Clarkson in him. They're very mm-hmm. similar players in, in the way that they can come off the bench and be guys that can put up uh, high teen points or, or even 20 points a game uh, with their scoring abilities and not just, not just like off the ball, but also with the ball, the, the ability to create Jordan Poole has shown that, that he's done that in uh, last season and also in the preseason this year. And because he is the Warriors fan, as my alarm actually goes off, uh, I'm going with JP. Yeah. Um, I just got to, you know, shout out here. I did pick Jordan Poole for most improved player mm-hmm. uh, for similar reasons. I think he's one of the only scorers who's jumping up from like 14 minutes a game to 30. So yeah. he should be up yeah. So I actually did not pick a most improved player. I, I know that was my bad. Neither did I. You, I read it I did not either. All right. Yeah. All good. Not a rookie of the year. Okay, rookie of the year. I'm going to go with Jalen Green. Okay, Cunningham is already battling some injuries, and I feel like Jalen Green's going to get to do whatever he wants in Houston. He's the entire offense. I don't think he's the entire offense. I think uh, Kevin Porter Jr., who kind of burst onto the scene late last year, is going to have you know a big role in that offense. But I also have Jalen Green. <laughs> but I have Jalen Green just because I think he's the best player in this class. I think Jalen Green, if I had the number one pick, he would have been the guy I'd take, I'd take, or I took, excuse me, yeah. Uh, crazy talented, balanced, athletic, can shoot. There's not a lot of weakness in this guy's offensive game. And typically the offense is what, you know, wins this award. So I'm going to go Jalen Green, edging out K to Cunningham, Mobley, some of those other guys. I do think uh, James Buchnight is going to be very good, though. Last year, I went with the sleeper pick and Killian Hayes. This year, I'm not. I'm going with Cade Cunningham. I feel like uh, I... I don't take the obvious option enough. And uh, that obvious option is obviously right there for the taking. There you go. On to defensive player of the year. Depoy. I'm going with Gobert again. I feel like um, the other guys in his category don't play enough games every year, whether it's resting injuries, um, COVID related issues. (laughs) So uh, I'm running back with Gobert, a guy I wish I had on my fancy team again. Uh, I'm going to go with Giannis and I'm going with Giannis because I don't have him winning the other big award that we're going to get to. And I think, you know, the NBA, they're going to recognize his greatness in a different way this year. I know he's already run the award. I think Gobert will probably deserve the award, but I'm going to go Giannis. You know, Skeller was talking about how he wished he got Gobert in fantasy this year. You know who actually <laughs> ended up getting him in fantasy? That was me. And so this is also kind of a little wishful thinking here. I hope Gobert gets the defensive play of the year uh because that mean he's getting a lot of blocks and rebounds and stuff and so yeah. that feeds my fantasy team now on to the most touted uh, award in the nba obviously in any league it's the mvp who's the mvp of the season guys mm-hmm. it's gonna be honest uh i was close to giving him depoy but i feel like he's gonna go all in offensively this year it's not like he he's gonna give up on defense or anything that's not how no. he plays the game but it's just, it's so hard to ignore what he's been doing for this league. I mean, Skyler reminisced about having Rudy last year. Kyle has him this year. Wishful thinking with the deep four. I'm also going to go with wishful thinking. I'm going to Luca, MVP, a guy who I have on my fantasy team. I think this is the year Luca finally gets the award. He's been close last year. I believe he was even running the year before. Dude might average a triple double this year. I think we'll be close if not. He's going to be the guy in Dallas as he has been the past couple of years. When you're leading an offense like that, 
almost single-handedly, not as many sidekicks as, you know, a guy like Giannis has, who has improved his three-point shooting. By the way, Giannis looks very smooth, but Luka's, Luka's the guy in Dallas. And I think because of that, the stats are just going to outdo Giannis this year. Brett said it perfectly. I'm going with Luka as well. And that's going to do it for wow. the first half. I think it's time for halftime. Well, let's go. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. All right. So as we do every halftime, we start off with just talking about the NFL games and what happened in each game. Uh, usually our headline says other NFL games, but since we haven't really talked about any, I'm just going to go over the scores of each of them. Uh, first off, Thursday night game, uh, Buccaneers in Philly. Uh, Tampa Bay won it 28-22. to 22, A little closer than what we expected at the end, but a good win for the Buccaneers nonetheless. Raiders, I already talked about that game. We had another London game, and the Jags and Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence got their first win of the season, 23-20 to 20 over the extremely struggling Miami Dolphins. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Still own the Bears 24 to 14 in Chicago. The Lions are still winless as the Bengals improved to four and two as they route the Lions 34 to 11. The Colts destroy the Texans 31 to three. The Rams get their score Gami win against the Giants 38 to 11. The Chiefs uh, score 21 unanswered points in the second half and beat the Washington football teams 31 to 13. The one close game in the early window of Sunday was the Vikings-Panthers game, and that was capped off by K.J. Osborne walk-off touchdown in overtime. Vikings win 34-28. to uh, A game we were all looking forward to going into the weekend was Chargers-Ravens, and it completely disappointed. The Chargers got dog-walked 34-6. to I think Devonta Freeman, Latavius Murray, and Le'Veon Bell all had touchdowns in that game for the Ravens. Cardinals blew the Browns out of the water uh, and won 37-14 to 14, despite being down their head coach and their best defensive player, Chandler Jones. Cowboys and the Patriots produced a very good game uh, with the Cowboys winning overtime on a C.D. Lamb walk-off touchdown. Trayvon Diggs had seven interceptions. Uh, he had a pick six in that game and then got burnt the next play for a 75-yard touchdown. Uh, but the Cowboys win 35-29 to 29. Sunday night was a crazy one. Uh, Steelers win though in overtime 23 to 20 over the Seahawks. And then Monday night game of the week, without a doubt, uh, back and forth scoring the whole time. Derrick Henry going off, had three touchdowns for the third time in the season. And the Titans win 34 to 31. All now right. To the injuries. So we're doing our weekly injury update. For the NFL, of course, the first one we got to talk about is Daryl Taylor, Seahawks defensive end. A scary neck injury was lifted off the field after about 30 minutes on the ground. Um, and I think the craziest thing about all of this, guys, is he's questionable for the game next mm -hmm. week looking to play. It's crazy. For a second there, even Daryl Taylor probably thought he may never walk again. It's unbelievable situation for him all right let's uh let's keep it moving kareem hunt from the browns out next week calf injury not the achilles they say so that's that's good but he's going to be out for a while uh baker mayfield same game 
re-injured the partially torn labrum, which is tough. He is a very tough guy. He says he's going to play. I think they want him to play. Um, but the long-term answer may be to hold on. So in case they have a playoff run, he can actually play. <laughs> Nick Chubb is also out. I don't know if you have that. Uh, no, no. Don't yeah. have that. But yes. Uh, Titans, A.J. Brown, undisclosed illness. Uh, do he we ever- had food poisoning uh, on Saturday and said he couldn't sleep at all. But he obviously played through it. Titans played well. And I think he should be fine going into next week. All right. Giants, Kadarius Tony, ankle injury, doubtful for next week. Andrew Thomas, left tackle, ankle injury, IR. Not good for the Giants. But uh, I think at this point they're going for the high pick anyways that they don't even have. Never mind. <laughs> they don't have their pick. Uh, Ravens, Patrick Queen, thigh injury. Uh, Paris Campbell, IR, Colts receiver. And that's about it, guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I love college football. I love the drafts. My 2022 NFL mock draft 2.0 is finished. I'll give you guys uh, some of the picture. I guess I'll go through the top 10 and maybe picks you guys want to hear. So number one, I have the Lions taking Kayvon Thibodeau, edge rusher from Oregon. Uh, that's obviously a big need for them. And I don't think they're going quarterback. So I think Thibodeau is an appropriate pick here for the Lions. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, the Eagles get the pick from Miami. They're going to take Evan Neal, the tackle from Alabama. Another situation where they have a quarterback. I think they'll go best player available. I think that's Evan Neal. Um, third, Jacksonville is kicking themselves. They didn't get Evan Neal to protect their new quarterback. But they're going to get DeMarvin Leal, defensive tackle from Texas A&M. The Texans at four, they get their franchise quarterback, Matt Corral from Ole Miss. Uh, the dude's very exciting. And I think it'll be hard for whoever's going to be working with the Texans next year in the front office to hold off. Uh, number five, the Giants take Kenyon Green, the best interior lineman in the class uh, from Texas A&M. They have so many injuries on the old line. Only makes sense. Mm -hmm. Number six, the New York Jets. They're going to take Aiden Hutchinson, edge rusher from Michigan. I think this is the best player on the board. I could also see corner. Patriots at seven take Derek Stingley, defensive back from LSU, having a down year, but has the tools to be one of the best players in this class. Uh, number eight, the Eagles, their own pick, take Kyle Hamilton, safety from Notre Dame, another best player available situation. Number nine, Eagles via Indianapolis, take Chris Alave, receiver Ohio mm. State, uh, get a guy for Jalen Hurst to throw the ball to. And number 10, other than Devontae Smith, I know. It's a different style player. I'm what? sorry. No Jalen Rieger. <laughs> Stop it. Number 10, the Jets via Seattle. Take Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa. Can also play guard. Very nice. Any notables you guys want to hear? Certain players, teams? I want to hear the Raiders pick. Wait, wait, uh, Spencer Rattler. <laughs> 25 Raiders. I have them taking Daxton Hill, Michigan defensive back. That would be interesting. So, uh, so Jets and Raiders both go Michigan. I don't think we would need a defensive back right now. I, what I think Mayock will see back. is they see a ball hawk who could play any position on the defense. So that seems to be a Raiders pick, right? 
Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see based on, off of how the team finishes out. I think offensive line would probably be the thing that I would like. Okay. I would ask the Niners, but we obviously don't have our first round pick for the next two more years, I believe. So. Oh, damn. Yeah, sorry about that, Brad. Trey Lance. Better be worth <laughs> it. We might as well play him, huh, Shanahan? That's a good idea. All right. Uh, go through some college football games from this week. They were good. Uh, unranked Purdue wins at number two, Iowa, 24 to seven. Their three quarterback system was too much. The defense led by edge rusher, George, uh, damn man. I forgot how to pronounce his name. Um, <laughs> this is George, uh, Carlaftis. Oh. Carlaftis. He's going to be, um, a lottery pick in the NFL this year. He's, he's a monster and four picks for Iowa's backup quarterback. It's tough for those guys. <laughs> Good for Purdue, though. Mm-hmm. Next game, Ole Miss at Tennessee. This was a crazy one. Ole Miss sneaks out 31-26. Matt Corral had a crazy game. 30 carries, about 200 rushing yards, and two more passing touchdowns. Tennessee had a chance to win it. Some terrible play calling. Um, they ran for a first down with no timeouts and on fourth down, I think it was, and they didn't get it instead of throwing the Hail Mary. And of course, Tennessee fans threw a bunch of shit onto the field. Yeah. <laughs> Even golf balls. Mm-hmm. So good for my man Corral. He's questionable with an injury. Uh, I'll get more into that in a second here. Georgia against Kentucky, number one Georgia, their first game at number one this year. They stay undefeated. No problem with Kentucky. You know, these SEC games um, look great on paper, but once you get down to it, uh, no one can run the ball and play defense like Georgia and Bama. It's true. And it was a great game for Stetson Bennett. We're back for Georgia. All right. The last game I want to talk about Oklahoma State and Texas. Bijan Robinson went nuts for Texas. Okay. But it wasn't enough for Oklahoma State. They stay undefeated. And I'm trying to pull up the stats. My phone is kind of frozen right now. So sorry. <laughs> um, Should be all good. Let's see. Let me see if I can find these stats right here for Bijan. Oh, I got it. I got it. We're good. Awesome. Okay. But anyways, sorry guys. Spencer Saunders, Oklahoma State running back, not great. He has not been good this year, but Warren, the running back, 33 carries for 193 yards. It was enough. Oklahoma State stays undefeated. Trust me, they will not finish undefeated. But uh, good for the Big 12. They've had some interesting games so far this year. It's true. All right. It's on to the Heisman Watch. You guys ready? Of course. I'm ready. You know, I think we're finally at the point where we have the five people who have a chance to win it. It's down to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about some honorable mentions, though. Um, Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati. The stats aren't crazy. Um, they don't play anybody crazy either, which is why he's not in the top five. But he's getting the job done. They're undefeated. They're AP top 25, number two in the nation. So for now. Uh, Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh quarterback. Uh, Pittsburgh's been great in the ACC. They've kind of been uh, what we thought Clemson would be, you know, the air threat team who mm-hmm. can upset some other teams. And then Caleb Williams. I know it's surprising he's only had one start, but, you know, he's got like number – he's number five in Heisman odds in Vegas I right now. I believe it, dude. I mean, he's, he's the hype in college football right now. He is. And it's well-deserved. Okay, but let's get into the real guys. Uh, number five, Bijan Robinson. He drops down a spot, even though being really productive. Um, 
And you'll see why here, because number four is Kenneth Walker. Mm-hmm. All right. Michigan state is undefeated. They're a top 10 team. He is why he is why. All right. Uh, not a crazy week, only, um, 84 yards, but a good, uh, good yards per carry. And they didn't have to do much against Indiana. Number three, CJ Stroud with a big, big bump up here. He uh, had a bye week this week, but none of the running backs did anything really memorable. And CJ Stroud puts up numbers. And here we go. Um, you know, I've been talking about how this is a two-person race all year. Mm-hmm. Bryce Young falls down to number two. Finally, Ooh. I finally did it. Um, <laughs> it's not really a knock on on Bryce Young. He's had a really consistent se- season. It's just Matt Corral, number one, guys. He is the craziest player in college football right now, I think. 30 carries for 200 yards last week? I mean, he he can just pick and choose what he wants to do. Their offense is so fast. Um, And it's just, I feel so great about this because this has been my pick before the season even started. You guys can vouch for me. This was my guy. This is true. And he's questionable for next week at LSU. Um, Ed Ogeron thinks Lane Kiffin's just playing games. He thinks he's fine. He just wants them to prepare for someone else. So we'll see. We'll see. I think Matt Corral. done stuff like that before you know about that. I think if <laughs> Mackerel, um, you know, has, has some more crazy games with more efficient passing numbers, this could be a wrap early for Heisman. Yeah. All right. That wraps sure up that my, game, uh, my part. Go ahead. That game, I believe is also college game day. So I That'd think cool. it should be on ESPN the night game, That'd be cool. uh, but pretty good game. I'll be at uh, Redlands that night. So I can't watch it. Oh, there yeah. we go. Mm-hmm. All right. Scalar called to Mickey Mouse top 25, uh, but this is all we really have to go off of right now. So this is what I'm going to go off of. The AP top 25 poll for week eight came out and this is how it went down. So number 25 was Purdue. I believe this is their first time being on the rankings list in a lot of years. So congratulations to them. Uh, University San Antonio at seven and zero is that t- number 24 Pittsburgh's number 23 uh san diego state went up a couple spots to number 22 they are still undefeated smu also undefeated moved up a couple spots to 21 baylor went from unranked to number 20 auburn also went from unranked to number 19 nc state moves up four spots to 18 texas a&m moves up four spots to 17 wake Forest stays the same at 16 as they are still undefeated Kentucky gets their first loss of the season against number one ranked Georgia. They only moved down four spots, number 15. Coastal Carolina still undefeated. Is They go up to 14. Notre Dame goes up one spot to 13. Ole Miss goes up one spot to 12. Iowa drops down nine spots after their bad loss to number 11. Oregon down one spot to 10. Michigan State up one spot to nine. Oklahoma State up four spots to number eight. Penn State stays the same at number seven. Michigan goes up two spots to number six. Ohio State at number five. Bama at number four. Oklahoma at number three. Cincinnati makes the jump to two. And number one stays the same, obviously, with Georgia being Mm. the best team in the nation. I think so. The college football playoff rankings come out in November. I I think if, you know, nothing crazy happens, I think we'll see – Cincinnati flip-flop with 
Oklahoma, Bama, Ohio State. I think, you know, if they do have that perfect season and win the championship game by 40 points or whatever, like how they've been doing, fuck it, let them play number one. You know, but mm-hmm. if not, I think it's kind of messed up to not let Ohio State in. Uh, I, I feel like it'd be uh, the unranked loss to to Texas A&M for Bama. I feel like just wasn't a big enough drop for them. They the the drop to only I think they went down to five or six. Like you got to move them down. Five. You got to give them the Iowa type drop uh, where they move down yeah. nine spots, ten spots number 11 and then they have to battle back just like every other team because Bama is just getting spoon fed this college football playoff spot if they if they do well in the SEC obviously and I mean I think they do probably have to win the championship game to get in uh, against Georgia if assuming that happens and yeah. so we'll see how that goes but I think it's gonna be and by the way guys if no one remembers out there uh, Cincinnati was up big on Georgia in their bowl game last year and then they lost it at the end uh, let's forget that. Uh, let's end <laughs> halftime. And I'm just saying, go. like, you know, they, they could have beat them. They lost by three. That's you know? true. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the second half now. And this is all NFL talk. We talked mm. about basketball in the first half, uh, college football in the NFL in halftime. And now we're just sticking to foot NFL football here. And the first thing we're going to talk about is Tua. Uh, there's some other headlines on here, uh, but we're going to talk about Tua first. Obviously, the team is one and five after the bad loss against Miami or not Miami, uh, Jacksonville. Uh, they play Atlanta this week, and the question is going to be the same until they decide to do something with Tua. Is he the guy in Miami? Next week, I think so. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, for now, yeah, he has to be uh, because Flores has faith in him still. Um, if Flores leaves or gets fired or wants to go to New England or whatever, which I think is possible. Uh, I know you guys have more faith in Flores than I do because, you know, he's he's a player coach. He is. But um, I think they have to make some moves. And if that happens, they're going to bring in the new quarterback. But for now, I think two is all right. Not that, you know, his, you know what I mean? His production is all yeah. right because he's got to improve the production. But I think his yeah. uh, security is all right for now. Scott's right. His security is there. Flores isn't going to do anything, and they don't really have anything to go to. They're not going out and trading for Deshaun Watson. As far as I know, Jacoby Brissett isn't any better than Tua, so there's really no reason to make the move. But long-term, I don't think Tua will be the guy. I don't think – I haven't liked Tua since he's came out, really, into the NFL. Haven't been impressed. He's – failed to move the ball down the field. They had games where they brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick in the fourth just because Tua wasn't able to lead drives like that and push the ball. Mm-hmm. To me, that was red flag number one. And I still haven't seen that. He played decent um, against a very subpar opponent in Jacksonville. And I think he has until the end of this year for sure. But like Skyler said, if there's a coaching change, and even if there's not, I think Miami will look into other options. If Flores needs to keep his job, yeah. Yeah. I think they'll look into other options and, you know, try to upgrade that position because there is some talent on that roster. Yeah, I think uh, Tua's stay in Miami is going to go as long as what Byron Flores' stay in Miami is. And based off of how this team is right now, I think Flores probably gets fired at the end of the year, especially if they're a team that wins four or five games this whole season. And if that happens, I think two is gone as well. Uh, I think a team that's actually going to pursue him pretty hard is the Steelers. I think Tua makes a lot of sense in their offense because of their 
uh, constant ability with Big Ben to get the ball out quickly. And it's kind of what Tua's only really going to be able to do because he's not a guy that's going to throw the ball deep. And he obviously adds a little bit more mobility than Big Ben uh, because Big Ben is 40 and old and just Big Ben and two is young and can run. Uh, Bad him so with Najee. Exactly. Get him Najee. And he gets some some pretty good wide receivers over there with Deontay Johnson, Claypool, Juju's, and Juju's probably gone. Juju's probably gone. But, yeah. yeah. But uh, still some, some <laughs> who knows? Uh, but some good targets nonetheless uh, over there in Pittsburgh. So I think that's going to be the plan uh, for the Steelers after this year is to go get to a. I think Miami's going to get rid of them for the asking price. I have no clue. I think they go for a filler quarterback next year and then draft their guy in 2023 on to the AFC, uh, the big dogs in the AFC. We're talking about the Ravens. We're talking about the bills. We're talking about the Browns. We're talking about the chiefs or whoever you want, but are the Ravens the best team in the AFC, especially after how the bills played on Monday night? I still think it's Kansas city. I think it's still the most explosive offense other than, I guess, Stafford to Cup. Uh, that's been pretty explosive. But just, you know, against Washington. You know, Washington is up 13 to 10, and they're controlling the ball. They're not turning the ball over yet. Uh, they All they have to do is miss one field goal, and then all of a sudden, just like that, it's 31 to 13 Kansas City. They take over. Um, I just can't really trust Baltimore right now. If you need five yards per carry, with Jackson, Murray, Freeman, and DuVernay every week. Um, and I know Lamar had – I'm not trying to hate on him. I think he is making a case for the MVP this year. But you can't throw the ball to Mark Andrews every time, especially against good defenses. So I'm a little concerned about them. In my opinion, Lamar's Lamar's proven a lot to me this year, but I still don't think the Ravens as a team, not so much Lamar, have. Yeah. It's not even that they haven't proven enough to me. It's just I believe in the Bills. They haven't I've had a, to do it. I've yet. been a Bills, Bills believer from the back. beginning. Right. Um, I had the Bills as my number one team in the AFC a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to stick with that despite their loss. I think anytime Derrick Henry gets rolling like that, I don't think – any team stops them, even the team that's had the top defense in the NFL through, you know, the first five, six weeks. Josh Allen and the offense were fine. I think the Bills are going to be fine. I think the Ravens are a very good team. I'd probably put them in the top three right now, along with Kansas City, even though they haven't looked great. Mahomes is turning over the ball a little bit too much. I probably have Kansas City at three, Ravens at two, but I'm still having the Bills at my number one spot. I'm going to go with yes, that Baltimore is the best team in the AFC. And that's not just for the sake of having a different answer than the guys. I think Baltimore legitimately has a good case of why they are the best team in the, in the AFC. And I'm going to start off with the Bills on why I don't think the Bills are the best team. And that's because I think they played their best uh, yesterday, Monday night against the Titans. I know there's a few mistakes, but I think those mistakes were because of how good the Titans were last night. And not just the Bills making mistakes, obviously the this uh, QB sneak at the end probably was very questionable the coaching decision wise as well, but I don't think they played bad. And when you play your best and you still get beat, I definitely don't think you're the best team uh, in the league. And so that's why I'm going with Baltimore. Cause they've, they just blew the water out of uh, the chargers. And we thought the chargers had a very legitimate, uh, well, would be a legitimate answer for this question just a week ago. Uh, and now that that happened, 
And now that they're rolling in Baltimore, I think that's a tough team to stop, especially with guys like Rashad Bateman coming back to the team. I think uh, that's going to be a big target for Lamar later in the season. And Lamar's rolling. I mean, he, he's unstoppable. Uh, the question of when's Lamar going to be figured out uh, has been something over the past few years. And that's still a question that people are searching for. And until they find the answer, I think the Ravens are going to be the best team in the AFC. Let's go to the NFC now. Who's the best team in the NFC? Whether it be the Rams, whether it be the Bucks, whether it could be the Packers, who is it? I think Arizona's earned the right to be number one, you know, in the, in the power ranking setting, in the media setting. Uh, Kyler's playing like the MVP. The defense is great, but I wouldn't say they're quite, you know, Super Bowl lock, best team by far, just because you could ever count out Tom Brady. The Rams are doing their thing. Um, but in this, you know, in the, in the podcast setting, I, I think it's fair to say Arizona's number one. Skyler hit the nail on the head. If you're, you know, making it power rankings, Arizona's yeah. number one. They're the only undefeated team. They've proven that they are a good team week in, week out, beating other good teams. But if you were to ask me who's my favorite to win the NFC, represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, it's not the Cardinals. I don't even yeah. know if I'd have the Cardinals in my top two. I'd still take the Rams probably at two and the Bucks and Brady at one. And I'd even argue the Packers are right, at least on par with the Cardinals right now. Rodgers has figured it out after the first week woes. That's a very good team when everyone's healthy, when they get their edge rush back. So power ranking setting, yes, as Skylar said, but are they my favorites? No. So even though the Cardinals were expected to be like a wild card team this year going into mm-hmm. the season, I think they remind me a lot of uh, like the San Francisco Giants this year, where we were just very tentative to even though that they have the best record to put them as the best team. Uh, and that's they remind me of the Steelers last year. Yeah, I think they're a little <laughs> the Steelers bit. Steelers go seven and zero, and then like lost like what the next a lot. They they were eleven and zero, and then they went one and five or one and six yeah. or something crazy like that, but. I think the Cardinals right now are the best team in the NFC. They've beat everybody, obviously, and they don't have a reason for us to say that they aren't. I know the Bucks are still there. I know the Rams are still there, but I mean, the Cardinals beat the crap out of the Rams and the Rams beat the Bucks. So if you want to go up that way, you, it would be the Cardinals. Obviously it's number one. I'm going to go that way. Yeah, so in that case, the Jets are better than the Bills. <laughs> I mean, there's no, I know what you, I know what you're the whole wide receiver thing with the Titans against the Bills. But yeah, I'll, I'll go with the Cardinals. Best team in the NFC. There's a whole bunch of teams in the NFL mm-hmm. right now that are three and three. I believe there's seven or eight of them actually to be right on the dot. But we're going to pick the best and the worst ones. So Mm -hmm. who is, let's start off with the worst three and three team. Worst three and three team. I'm going to go with Carolina. Uh, We don't know when Christian McCaffrey's coming back. Darnold looks horrible. The receivers are dropping everything. There's injuries with the young defense. It's just not their year. It's not. I think they have potential, but it's just not going to happen. I was leaning towards Carolina uh, going into this, but I'm looking over. All the standings right now, we got Vikings, Panthers, et cetera, Bears. I'm going to go with the Broncos. Um, the Raiders came into this week discombobulated, I, I think is a fair way to put it. Um, you know, head coaching change, a lot of, I'd say, drama going around. And the Raiders dismantled the Broncos. 
the Broncos put up some garbage time stats, you know, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant. But that I, I actually had the opportunity to watch that game. Niners didn't play this week. The Broncos are not a very good football team. Their defense, which was supposed to be, you know, the strong point of this team, was slaughtered by the Raiders' offense. Um, if you look at the matchups now, their defense hasn't played well against good teams. And I consider the Raiders a good team. Teddy Bridgewater looked good, turned the ball over three times, though. You can't have that. I think the Panthers are a better team defensively at this point. They're only going to get better when Gilmore comes back. Christian McCaffrey is coming back eventually. And for that reason, I'd have to put the Broncos just because I think the Panthers are a little bit better at everything at this point than where the Broncos currently stand. I also am going to go with the Broncos. And I even tweeted out after the Raider game that it was a conclu- to my conclusion that the Broncos 3-0 three weeks ago was a complete Mickey Mouse 3-0 because they played three good or decent or great teams, whatever you want to call them, the last three weeks with the Ravens, Steelers, and the Raiders. And they all lost all three games. I really don't feel like any three of those games were were close in that sense. And so the Broncos really just don't have it, is what my conclusion is. Uh, Their secondary and defense that was supposed to be amazing uh, did not look good at all against the Raiders. Their secondary got torched. Uh, They only got the car like once or twice the whole game. And they just they didn't play well on offense either. I mean, I know the Raiders defense has looked better this year, but they we kind of just dismantled their offense. Four turnovers, three picks, one forced fumble. Bridgewater, Brett said he lo- did you say he looked good? I thought he looked okay, except for the turnover. I mean he had what three hundred yards, but a lot of that came in garbage time, so it's you know, it's kinda hard to Yeah. Really I think he looked back that up. Yeah, I think he looked a lot better in the second half, but in the first half, he just wasn't there. And I know uh, a big fault for them this year was their, their slow starts, and it really doesn't look like it's going to speed up anytime soon. So I think the Broncos are maybe a six-win team at best. On to the flip side now. Who's the best 3-3 three three team? I really like Minnesota. I like what they're doing on offense. Uh, one of the best running back duos in the league. Kirk Cousins is finally slinging it like – they paid him to do, um, but you know, it, it has to be Kansas city and I already talked about them. That's why I talked a little bit about Minnesota, but it's, it's the chiefs. Yeah. I don't think this one's that close. I think it's the chiefs. I'm not as big a Minnesota fan as scatters. I think if I had to, you know, give a number two, it'd be the Browns. I think the Browns have struggled with some injuries past couple of weeks running back specifically, and that's going to continue. But I think when everyone's fully healthy, the Browns are a very good team that should be in the playoffs. Minnesota, fringe playoff team, but as far as one, two, it's Chiefs one by far, and then way below you have Browns and some other teams coming in. I think a a fully healthy Browns team is better than the Chiefs. I'm – Skyler's giving me that look, but I totally think that. I think the Browns are very, very good. Uh, Obviously, they didn't have Nick Chubb over the weekend, and Kareem Hunt got hurt, and that's pretty much their whole offense. So when those guys go down, it's not going to be pretty. But right now, the Chiefs are healthy. I know Travis Kelsey had some bang-up injuries, whatever you want to call them, uh, over the weekend. But right now, the Chiefs are the best 3-3 and team. Mm -hmm. All right, we do this segment every single week. It's our top five MVP, our top three defensive player of the year, and our top three rookie of the year. What award do you guys want to start with? Start from the bottom. Awesome. So we'll go with the rookie of the year. Do you guys have any honorable mentions for this one? 
Uh, this week I don't. I'll when I get there, I'll explain what I did. All right. Uh, Micah Parsons, who I've had in my top three, is now an honorable mention. Yeah, I feel like uh, for me to really get a good grasp of Michael Parsons again, I need to see him on prime time because that's kind of where you just get a good look at all their players. And when there's eight games going on in the morning window, it's kind of tough to get a look at those guys. Uh, but number three, Skylar, you go first. So this week I did my top three, not based on potential, like how I've been doing, not based on, uh, you know, highlight plays. I did it <laughs> kind of based on war, uh, like in baseball, you know, uh, it'll make more sense once we get there, but it's these guys compared to replacement level players. And my number three is going to be Eric Stokes, defensive back Green Bay. He started off a little slow, but seven pass deflections in the past couple of games. Uh, he's having a great year quietly, Green Bay. Uh, I also did my rankings a little bit different just because I wanted to throw a new name in there. This guy really has no shot at the award, but yeah. I'm going to go with Rashawn Slater. Offense like and you have yeah. no chance at the award as an offensive line, which is unfortunate. But Rashawn Slater has been absolutely amazing playing left tackle for the Chargers. Don't really know what he did this week, but I've looked at some of his tape in the previous weeks, just overall ratings, war, all that stuff. He's been nothing short of amazing. Arguably the best player performance-wise from this class so far, mm -hmm. and no one really talks about him just because of his position. The Chargers got themselves a franchise left tackle, which is, I mean, arguably the most position or important position behind quarterback on offense. So I, I, had, I just wanted to give him some recognition at number three. Yeah, I feel like so. I feel like there's very clear number one right now in, in yeah. rookie of the year. But I feel like what makes two and three so interesting this year is that the quarterbacks have kind of sucked, and so there isn't really like a like a a spot for, for for you to put these guys at, at this point. So it's kind of just seeing what you see in the other guys. And mm -hmm. I see Gregory Rousseau as my number three guy right now. I know he didn't do much uh, yesterday. But he has three sacks on the year, interception of Patrick Mahomes, and that's that's pretty legit when you're a rookie. On to number two. All right. I I took all the edge rushers off my board this week uh, just because there, there wasn't as much production this year. And I want to mm -hmm. talk about some new guys. So number two, I have Jalen Waddell, receiver from Miami. Uh, he's been – I know it's kind of a short sample size with Tua. He's only had two games with Tua. But he's been a complete safety blanket. Not the ultimate safety blanket. We'll get to that in a second. But – He's been the second best rookie safety blanket. My one, two aren't going to change from last week. I have Najee Harris, the number two, continuing to put up numbers, even behind a poor offensive line, doing his thing and the receiving game as well. I think this guy's very talented. Get him some good old line, better quarterback play. I think I think the sky's the limit for Najee. Yeah, I do like the Waddle choice, uh, but I would not put him at two. I think he'd be a good honorable mention. Uh, but number two, I'm going Najee as well. He's been, uh, I think he's top 10 in rushing right now. And he has like 30 receptions or something like that at this point in the season. And yeah, on to number one. All right. Number one is clearly Jamar Chase. Um, I still think it's probably the wrong pick, but Joe Burrow still standing up straight. Mm -hmm. Bengals are four yeah. and two. Jamar Chase is going off this year. And that is the ultimate safety blanket for your quarterback. Yeah, I'm not even going to talk about Jamar Chase. He's my number one as well. Jamar Chase is also my number one. Uh, 
yeah, they play the Ravens this week, so that should be pretty fun. Uh, we'll see how he does against that secondary mm-hmm. and that very good team over there in Baltimore. On to Defensive Player of the Year. Do you guys have any honorable mentions? Yes, I got the Watt brothers, JJ and TJ. Uh, I have a couple, actually. I have both the Bosa brothers, as I mentioned last week. Mika Bosa had a bye. Joey Bosa still played well. Aaron Donald has slid to honorable mention for me. And last honorable mention, Max Crosby. Yeah, my honorable mention is Max Crosby. And I'll give you the stats because... I'll throw them uh, in there. I got you. I, I love Mad Max. So he has five sacks this year. I think that's like tied for eighth or something like that. Uh, his it's 11 this QB week, right? Hit, yes. Yeah. His 11 QB hits, though, is first in the NFL. His 25 hurries is first in the NFL. His 43 total pressures is first in the NFL. I know we don't like talking about PFF, and I don't like it either, but he is their number one graded pass rusher through six weeks of the NFL season, and he has the highest pass rush win rate so far into the season at 27.6%. And it's nice to have a defensive player like this on the Raiders once again. I just want to shout out real quick. um, Back during the Max Crosby draft i graded every single player from the raiders class for alex and kyle mm-hmm. uh fourth rounder no one knew from the mac gave him a b plus grade yeah said he's I think raw you did also he's give pot- yeah you did give foster Moreau also that that a grade i'm pretty sure i love foster <laughs> yeah foster's good Start right, go ahead alive. <laughs> just like in call your time for number three sky oh yeah uh, see, I'm going to slide Aaron Donald into my three spot opposite of Brett. Um, I just feel like even in triple coverage, he still had a pass deflection. His presence is still felt, even if the uh, stands aren't there yet. I feel like it would be kind of criminal to leave him off again. So I threw him in there. So I believe I had miles Garrett at two last week. I'm going to slide him down to three, uh, uh, to be honest, I have no clue what he did this week. I was just impressed by another guy, so I slid him up. But no, Garrett was at least at the top or close to pretty much every pass rushing category yeah. last week. So I'm gonna keep him at number three, and we all know the effect he has on every game. Yeah, I went with Miles Garrett at three out as well. I think we were gonna see a big game from him though on Thursday. On to number two. All right, number two, going with Trevon Diggs. Um, I know he's going to be your guys' number one. Uh, and I'm not as scared about the uh, the man coverage issue like we were talking about, even though he did get completely burned. Uh, born. He's been he's been a monster out there. Seven picks. He's got as many touchdowns as his brother, Stefan. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. At number two, I have TJ Watt, a guy who I believe should have won this award last year. I know I believe Kyle was the one that really disagreed with that. Um, but I'm a big TJ Watt fan. He single-handedly won Pittsburgh that game once it came overtime. Two sacks, strip sack that you know set up field goal position for Chris Boswell and the Steelers. He's missed a game, which I think hurts and helps just because he's still very high in every category, even despite missing that game. At the end of the year, when you look at the categories, he might be you know missing a few stats that other guys have that he could have made up with that one game. At this point, I don't really care. I'm rating who I think has been the best. TJ Watt, week in, week out, when he's healthy, he's a baller. So I, I, I can't leave him off this list again. I'm going with TJ Watt at number two as well. Seven sacks on the year, three forced fumbles, and three pass defense as well. 
he almost had a pick uh, on Sunday night too. I he feel did. like he probably wished he came down with that ball, but if he did, it would have been a crazy play. Uh, but number two, I mean, Brett talked about him. It's mm-hmm. DJ Watt. On to number one. All right, number one, I got to stick with Miles Garrett. He had another sack last week. He was randomly drug tested for the third week in a row of not wearing sleeves. So that bumps up points for me. He's just an absolute animal out there. Number one. I won't talk about him too much because Scott already talked about him. Like Kyle talked about him because I feel like I keep taking Kyle's thunder a little bit. But Trayvon Diggs, seven interceptions on the year. He's my number one. Yeah. Trayvon Diggs, number one for me. Whenever you have more interceptions than games played and it's past the first game of the season, I think that is insanely incredible. And I think he's on the streak now where he has a pick in every single game this year. And that's just not something that you see. And Brett said or Skyler said it where he has the same amount of touchdowns as his brother, which is also incredible uh, for that very turnover producing Cowboys defense. And I think, I mean, if he, if he gets 10 picks, 12 picks this year, it's very hard to, to put him not as your depoy unless Miles Garrett gets 25. <laughs> <laughs> that will be a crazy day in Immaculate Sports history. That's true. If I move him up. NFL history. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On to the MVP. Do you guys have any honorable mentions for this one? I don't. Sticking with my guns. I don't remember who I would have had as honorable mention, so I'll just I'll throw Lamar Jackson in there. Like you said, they haven't really figured him out yet. I am going with Justin Herbert as my honorable mention. I think he played a really rough game against Baltimore and a game that I feel like a lot of people that were pulling for the Chargers really needed uh, for the Chargers to be that team. Uh, But Herbert didn't play well, didn't get 200 yards, didn't throw two touchdowns, and uh, also threw a pick in that game. So he falls out to an honorable mention for me on a number five. Number five, I'm going with Dak Prescott. Uh, He's back. The injury clearly has not bothered him. He was now injured again, but they said he's fine. Uh, Oh, they also have a bye week this week, so that that helps. That's true. He's uh, he's slinging it around, and I'm impressed, man. He gets the five spot. Number five, I have Justin Herbert. He did have a bit of a rough week this week, but he had been so good in weeks past, even against tough competition. Came in clutch, as I mentioned last week, on a few late-game drives. Yes, he had the rough week, but his play in the first five weeks overshadows that for me. So I'm going to keep him in my top five at number five. I'm going with Dak at number five. I feel like Bill Belichick's biggest thing is to take away your biggest threat on offense. And uh, when Dak Prescott's probably the biggest threat in the Cowboys' offense, and he throws for 445 yards, that's not taking him away at all. Eight different receivers. Yeah, and he was going off. Uh, it's so awesome to see Dak do well, especially after what happened to him last year. I think everybody's pulling for him unless you're a Giants-Washington football team or Eagles fan. Uh, and it's it's been really fun to see with Dak. So I'm going with number five for him. Yeah. On to number four. All right, Stafford gets a big jump up. Like I said earlier, I think Stafford Cup may be one of the most unstoppable connections this year. And uh, you know he's going to put up numbers. He's going to be uh, in this at least top seven-ish area all year. Number four, I have Kyler Murray. Uh, Kyler's the guy I left off or either had at the very end of my rankings last week. His team's undefeated, and I think i got to quit ignoring that. As Kyle mentioned earlier, I think I especially am kind of in denial of the Cardinals just because they're in my division. And it's his team I've seen play. 
But Kyler's really good. Well, I wish he was playing center field for the A's. He's not. And he's, you know, tearing up teams week in, week out. And like I've mentioned before, he still has not started running the ball yet. And when he does, he's going to get an even bigger jump in this ranking. So, Sure. But number four for me was Lamar. I know he didn't have the greatest game, but they blew out the Chargers. And uh, if – the Ravens go on the season that they're they're on path for right now. I think Lamar is that definitely going to be a guy that stays at the top of this mm-hmm. list. On to number three. Number three, I'm going with Tom Brady. Um, rougher game against Philly, but he still, again, you know, pretty similar to these last guys. He's just going to be slinging the ball all year, and he's 44, <laughs> and he's very good still. So, yeah, Tom Brady. I have Brady as number three as well. Still, I believe, leads the league in passing yards. Still hitting, you know, all his receivers. Still throws a good deep ball. There's still nothing really not to like about Brady except his mobility. But he had a 10-yard rush two weeks ago. So even that's (laughs) not horrible. Yeah, there we go. For him, uh, I'm going with Tom Brady as well at number three. Uh, First person to 2,000 yards in the NFL this year. He has 17 touchdowns, only three picks. Also, has the best supporting cast in the NFL. So that's why he's not number one for me. But number three is still good. On to number two. All right, number two, I'm going with Derrick Henry, the king. He's on pace for, I think, 2,400 rushing yards. Uh, It's going to be close between these two guys I have at one and two, I think, this year. King Henry. Uh, Number two, see, I have uh, Lamar. Just the amount of offense he's produced for that Ravens, both rushing and passing. I, I I don't remember this number, but he had a crazy percentage of that team's total yardage and had, you know, out produced like 15 teams in yards a week ago. And I forgot about him. Didn't have the greatest game this week, but he did beat a very good Chargers team. And for that, I got to give him credit. He didn't get the touchdowns. I think Scott said earlier that three guys rushed for touchdowns. So he wasn't, you know, on the touchdown sheet or whatever you want to call it but he put that team in position to do good and beat a very good Chargers team yeah I am going with Derrick Henry at number two 10 touchdowns already this year is crazy he's on pace for like 25 27 touchdowns this year uh he has more rushes than any other running back by like 51 carries right now which is insane uh, I know he was a leading rusher in the NFL going into that Monday night game, even though everybody else had still played uh, one more game than him. And now he's 260 yards higher than anybody else mm. on the list. And so, yeah, Derrick Henry, number two, also had the fastest play out of any ball carrier this year. So when you're six, three, however many pounds he is and being the fastest player in the NFL, I guess, in that sense, uh, you're unstoppable. On to number one. All right, number one, I'm hopping on the uh, the train here with Kyler Murray. Uh, he's undefeated this year, and there's a big reason why. You know, Hopkins hasn't had the greatest year. Um, Kyler's found new ways. He's going to all his weapons now. And, again, I wish he was playing center field, but he's not. <laughs> he's playing quarterback for the Cardinals, and he takes the top spot right now. I have a running back at number one. We all know who it is. It's King Henry. Kyle said 260 yards, I believe, above Nick Chubb mm-hmm. at number two, which is also impressive considering Chubb did not play this week and still at number two. But 
King Henry's going to rush for I don't know how many yards he's on pace for. It's an absurd amount with, you know, the 26 or 27 touchdown pace. I, I think it's a quarterback award, but sometimes you see the stats a guy puts up and you can't ignore. And right now I think you can't ignore what King Henry's doing. So I'm going to give him the nod at number one for now. I think a quarterback probably does end up winning this award just because that's how it works. But it's it's hard to find a guy who's been more valuable to his team just yeah. with the usage and production than Derrick Henry's been. Ladanian Tomlinson had 31 touchdowns when he won MVP, right? I'm not, I'm not sure. I know Adrian Peterson had 12 yeah. The year he won, and Henry already has what, 10? 10, yeah. So he's only two away from that, which is crazy. Yeah. I'm going with Kyler Murray as my MVP. Uh, The big question mark after the first few seasons, or not first few seasons, first few, uh, what did Cody Bellinger just hit it through and home run to tie it? Oh. He did. That's crazy. Uh, Nonetheless, Kyler Murray, uh, first few games, the criticism was – Turning the ball over with the interceptions. Last three games, he does not have a pick. Therefore, he stays at number one for me with four touchdowns against the Browns. On to our layups and our bold predictions. Last week was a good week. In our layups, I had uh, the Cowboys minus four against New England. Skyler had minus three uh, for the Bengals against the Lions. Oh, no, people didn't see that coming. Yeah, (laughs) they blew them out. And Brett had Pittsburgh minus three and a half versus Seattle. Pittsburgh won by three. On to this week, though, I have Atlanta minus two and a half versus the Miami Dolphins. All right. I'm going with Coastal Carolina minus four and a half at App State. App State's not what they uh, once were. They got Chase Bryce, former Trevor Lawrence backup playing quarterback, and he's not having a great year. Coastal Carolina to win big at App State. Typically, when you don't know where to go, it's always a good idea to bet against the Jets, and that's what I will do this week. New England, Bill Belichick. I don't remember the last time they lost to the Jets. I believe I asked Skyler this the other day, and it had been quite a while. So the spread's seven points. I think New England will cover that with ease. On to the bold predictions. Last week was a rough week. I had the Washington football team. Beating Kansas City, that was also before Curtis Samuel and a couple other guys were ruled out. Uh, Skyler had the Chargers win at Baltimore. Nope. That did not happen. Uh, <laughs> and Brett had the Kraken winning their first game in NHL history. Almost. They did not beat the Knights. They won their second game against the Predators, though, uh, and so good for them. But they did not fulfill Brett's uh, They made a comeback. They were down 2 nothing and ended up losing 3-4. to four, But Yeah. On to this week. I'm going Tennessee over Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City's five and a half point favorites right now. I don't think they have any chance to stop Derrick Henry. I think 200 rushing yards plus for him this weekend. All right. I'm going to go with San Diego State to win at Air Force. San Diego State's undefeated. They have one of the best defenses in the nation. They only give up about 50 rushing yards a game. So Air Force with that uh, option they like to run is going to be tough going with the Aztecs. I'm going with the Warriors over the Lakers tonight for a game that I believe starts in about an hour. I believe it's a seven o'clock start. No clay, uh, no Wiseman, uh, no Kaminga tonight for the Warriors. Wiggins and Draymond both will be on a limit or limited minutes, but it doesn't matter. Lakers didn't win a preseason <laughs> game. Give me the Warriors tonight. And when all those guys come back, it'll be even better. So that's true. Uh, that's going to do it for episode 58, though, of the Going the Distance podcast presented to you by Immaculate Sports. It's been a fun one. 
Uh, look out for more of the same next week, except mm. for no NBA preview, obviously. Maybe a World Series preview. Uh, we'll see Possibly. how that is. Uh, NFL Week 7 recap. Uh, more college football, obviously. Skyler, our Twitter is at Max Sports. Our yeah. Instagram is also at Max Sports. Our YouTube, TikTok, Immaculate Sports. I'm excited, man. You know, things were already getting started, but now they're really getting good. And we'll see you guys next week. Go Jets. Deuces.